0: I find this scientifically fascinating. You're listening to KUCI Irvine. Disengage this computer now.
1: Broadcasting at 88.9 FM.
0: Hello, computer. And on the web at KUCI.org. The most reliable computer ever made. And streaming through iTunes. Don't expect any mercy during the Great Robot Wars. Antiqua Radio brought to you by machines. Returning to normal broadcasting free two, one. Hi there. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is get the funk out. I have two very special guests this morning. First up, is Laura Schroff. She's a number one New York Times best-selling author of An Invisible Thread Christmas Story, so she is standing by. Good morning, Laura.
1: Well, good morning. How are you, Janine? I'm great. I loved your book. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Did you read An Invisible Thread or The Children's Book, An Invisible Thread Christmas Story?
0: I read uh, The Children's Book. Oh, The Children's Book. And my daughter read it, too, and she loved it. She says, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. This is amazing. I love it.
1: (laughs) Well, they actually took the Christmas story out of an invisible thread, and Simon & Schuster made that story into the children's book, which I have to say, I, I, I love the book. It's so
0: beautiful, and I love the illustrations. Before we touch on the children's book, could you talk about the original book?
1: Sure, yes, absolutely. I'm happy to. The original book came out in 2011, and basically it is about my friendship with Maurice. I met Maurice back in 1986 as I was walking up 56th Street. Mm -hmm. He said, Excuse me, lady, do you have any spare change? I'm hungry. And I said no, and I kept walking. But as I got to Broadway, I realized what he said. And I went back to him and I said to him, Listen, I said, You're a child. I said, I don't want to give you any money, but if you're hungry, I'll take you over to McDonald's and I'll get you something to eat. Mm -hmm. And he hesitated for a moment because more often than not, people treated him as if he were invisible on the street. Oh. And um, we went to lunch, and we found out that we lived really only two blocks apart. Yet, of course, we came from two vastly different worlds. He was living at the time at the Bryan Hotel, which was a shelter hotel.
0: Okay.
1: And he lived in this room with his mother and his extended family. And his father, unfortunately, left when he was six years old, and his mother was addicted to heroin and crack. Awesome. And at 11 years old, he had no choice but to really fend for himself. and we spent the afternoon together and that week i just couldn't seem to get him out of my mind so on thursday night after work i decided to see if i could try to find him and unbeknownst to me that night he was really hungry and he thought maybe if he stood on the same corner he would see me again and i would offer to take him to dinner oh laura and as i turned the corner there he was standing and um I invited him to dinner, and while we were having dinner, I said to him, I've got a great idea. I said, why don't we meet on the corner next Monday night, Mm -hmm. and I'll take you out to dinner. And so the story is about our friendship and how we got together every Monday night for the next four years and hundreds of times thereafter, Mm -hmm. intertwined with my own volatile childhood, which I never really planned to do. Um, It just so happened when I was writing the book one night when I was writing the chapter of taking Maurice to a baseball game, Mm -hmm. that I remembered my brother and his myth story. And before I knew it, I started to write the myth story. And then before I knew it, I was kind of going back and forth between our friendship and also my childhood.
0: What was that like? It must have been kind of cathartic.
1: You know, at times it really was. And um, at times, I I remember when I was writing the snowstorm story, I actually had to stop, and I went to bed. My head was splitting. So, but for the most part, it was, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. That's great. You know, I had told you off-air when I was a teenager, my dad introduced me to this man, Craig, and he said, I've known Craig since he was a little boy. And Craig was a homeless boy, I believe. Um, I actually reached out with him this morning to tell him you were going to be on my show. Wow. And uh, Craig started shining shoes, and my dad would give him different odd jobs. My dad was an accountant in Connecticut. And years went by, and I know Craig ended up going to college. He became a firefighter. Anyway, Craig came to Thanksgiving dinner one year and brought his boys. And it was such a touching <gasps> story.
1: You oh, know? my God. How many children does he have? I believe he has
0: these two boys.
1: You know, it kind of really goes to show that if we kind of open up our eyes and hearts to our surroundings, yes. we can receive the most beautiful blessings yes. that were not planned. You know, as much as your, as your father did for Craig, mm-hmm. Craig also, I'm sure, brought him so much joy.
0: He did. I want to back up because I don't want to forget to ask this. At the time when you met Maurice, what was going
1: on in your life? Well, during that period of time, actually, things were pretty good. I mean, I was single. I was 35 years old. Um, I had a great, you know, I, I do want to sound humble, but I was very lucky. I had a really wonderful career in advertising, and at the time I was sold advertising space for travel, um, not for, um, for USA Today. Wow. And I was really hectic. My life was very hectic. Um, my life was very scheduled but i'd always really wanted to have a family of my own and sometimes things don't work out the way they're supposed to but they actually work out the way they're supposed to yes they do. and then one day you know i met this young boy and he changed my life Mm. and i believe that it was no accident right that you know my mother unfortunately she passed away when i was very young when i was only 25 Mm. and i believe she's been by my side every step of the way and i hope This will bring you some comfort and peace to know that your dad is with you. And I believe that she knew I needed more in my life and played a role in bringing us together. And I think she knew he needed someone in his life to help care for him.
0: Yes. I know it's unbelievable. Sometimes you're looking for something, but you end up getting what you need, not what you want. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Mm
0: -hmm. So you wrote the original book. Did you ever imagine it would turn into a children's book?
1: No, in fact, I do want to say that I have a very, very talented co-author, and he, his name is Alex Trezanowski. And he really helped take An Invisible Thread, the original book, um, to the next level. So we've worked together ever since. And I never could have imagined that one day there would be a children's book. And the children's book is really about my first Christmas that Maurice spent with me and with my family. And it's an invisible thread, Christmas story. And I again, I want to sound somewhat humble. I know it's my book, but I have to say, I absolutely love it. I love the illustrations. Barry yes. Root did the illustrations, and I did. He and I think he did just the most wonderful job in capturing the essence of the story.
0: Well, I, I'm smiling because the other night I, I've been telling my daughter, please read before bed, and she <laughs> says, no, you know, or whatever, they get busy. And I give her this book, and she ran into my room a very short time after and said, oh,
1: I love this. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think it's a very sweet book, and I think that, you know, for parents that are reading it with their children or their children are reading it on their own, mm-hmm. It is a reminder of how one small act of kindness can make an enormous difference. And I think that it's important, you know, for children to, to think about kindness. And you're never, ever too young to be um, taught how important it is yes. to be kind. Right. And I think that that's one of the takeaways that children really love, and I think parents do too. I've been speaking at a lot of elementary schools and I never ever could have imagined that I would be so blessed to be surrounded by so many children. But these children, they love to talk about what they think are small acts of kindness.
0: You want to share some of those?
1: Sure. I was at a school just recently and I asked the children what I asked the children what they thought was a small act of kindness and one little boy said, Well, you know, sometimes there are children there are kids on the in recess Mm -hmm. and they're standing by themselves the next time that happens i'm going to ask someone to come over and play with me Mm. and then a little boy anthony raised his hand and he said miss Laura, he said that happened to me i said what happened to you he said i was in recess he said and i had no one to play with and i was watching all these children play i said well anthony how did that make you feel Mm. he said it made me feel really bad and really sad and i said see I said, if someone had gone over to Anthony and asked him to come play, I said, that would have been a small act of kindness. Right. You know, other children say, you know, sharing their snack, or if somebody drops their books, help them pick them up. Mm -hmm. One little girl said, I'm really good in math, but there are kids in my class that aren't. Would an act of kindness be helping them with math? And I said, of course it would be. I said, a small act of kindness would also be, coming home from school and giving your mom or dad or your caretaker um, a big hug and telling them that you love them.
0: Yes. No, I, I agree completely. And, by the way, I want to throw out your website, com, and you have pictures of you and Maurice. Yes. And you also talk about the school initiative. Tell me what you're doing.
1: Well, the school initiative, you know, that's something that was just, again, an incredible blessing to me because I didn't say – you know, I think I want to do a school initiative. It really kind of happened organically. I started hearing and receiving more and more requests to come speak at schools, Mm -hmm. and it's now part of the core curriculum. And, again, that is an invisible thread. It's the big book. But I think the reason why is because teachers and schools do want to open up children's eyes to the concept of being kind particularly today with so much bullying going on, right. that it's really important to teach children kindness. You know, What I would love to see is kindness added to a school curriculum. Yes. You know, Why not talk about being kind once a week with the students, yes. just as you mm-hmm. would talk about English or math or social studies?
0: No, it's perfect. It makes total sense. So you wrote this, this book, the first edition. Mm-hmm. When, when was that written, the first one?
1: The first book came out in 2011, and, in fact, when the book came out, I really had no idea of what to expect. You know, and, of course, Alex and I, we talked about how wonderful it would be to, or to become a New York Times bestseller, but, again, <laughs> never could have imagined it. And, you know, it is a New York Times bestseller.
0: Fantastic. And Congratulations. And I feel
1: so blessed. It just, it, it's amazing to me. I never could have imagined that my book would send a message out to so many people about how, you know, again, one small act of kindness can make an enormous difference and how we all are, have the ability to change a person's life, just like your dad did with Craig. Right. And I'm sure when he first met Craig, he never thought, I'm going to change this young boy's life. Not at all. But as time went on, it evolved, mm-hmm. and he did. And today, I'm sure Craig has broken a cycle in his family and his children's children. His children will never know, you know, how difficult it was for Craig when he was a little boy. Mm. And breaking those cycles like I did with Maurice is not easy. You know, it's not easy for a child to break a cycle when that's all that they know. I was the first person that Maurice ever met that worked. You know, when I met Maurice... One of the reasons why I love the Christmas book so much is because he had never celebrated Christmas. He had never oh. even received a wrapped present.
0: Oh.
1: He'd received only two gifts in his life, a very small little yellow Hess truck, mm-hmm. and when he was six years old, his grandmother gave him actually a marijuana joint.
0: Yeah. Oh, come on.
1: Um, but, you know, the people in his family didn't work. And mm-hmm. I remember when we were talking about christmas because we went out to long island to spend it with my sister and her family and he was concerned that santa claus wasn't going to be able to find him and i said well i said santa claus is a pretty smart guy because i made him write his christmas list (laughs) and at the top of the list he put a remote control race car but then he also put down things that he needed like a warm winter jacket and a scarf and gloves Mm -hmm. and when we went out to my sister's house and we had dinner you know, my sisters did say grace, and she did thank God for all the blessings that we had in our lives. And thank God for, the, you know, giving us the opportunity to have, you know, Maurice as a friend. Sure. And then, of course, we went into the living room to open up presents, and, and my sister said, you know, Maurice, what are you waiting for? Here are presents. And what he talks about is that how much he loved his presents, but he, what he loved most about Christmas was sitting at a large dining room table and seeing so much love and so many happy people. Sure. Oh. And he said, you know, someday, he said, when I grow up, I want to have that too. And when you walk into Maurice's apartment today, he doesn't have a living room. He has a dining room. A dining room. And what I tell children and students is that sometimes it's the people who have the least amount. That are willing to give away the most. That's right. He went to the Salvation Army the year before for a a hot meal at Christmas by himself. And he was able to pick a a toy out of a bin of toys. And he picked a white teddy bear with a red heart. And when we came back to New York City before he left to go home, I was going to walk him home. He tucked underneath the Christmas tree the only thing he owned. And he gave me his teddy bear with a heart. Thanking Ugh. with a note, thanking me for being his friend.
0: Oh, my gosh. How did that make you feel?
1: It, it took my breath away. Mm-hmm. It took my breath away. But he also said when we were decorating the Christmas tree, we went out together and we bought a tree and we were decorating it. And when we were done, I made him, we did one of our rituals that he always loved, with, and that was to bake chocolate chip cookies. And he was having his chocolate chip cookies and milk Mm -hmm. and he was looking at the tree, and he was singing all the words to all the songs. I said, how do you know all these words if you never celebrated Christmas? And he said to me, Miss Laurie, he said, kids like me, he said, we know everything. The only difference is we see it from the outside looking in.
0: Wow, wise words.
1: 11 years old, (laughs) he was able to articulate it that way. So actually in the big book, Chapter 12, the name of the chapter is From the Outside Looking In. Powerful.
0: I love it. Well, thank you. I, I think, you know, kids should be reading this book because there's so many great messages, you know, not to ignore people outside your circle or just pay more attention.
1: Well, you know, I think that children, too, I hope that what they'll, they'll take away from this book, that some of the best gifts are gifts from the heart. Mm-hmm. These are gifts that don't come in a box. There's no budget required When you give the gift of love, you give the gift of time, friendship, kindness, all the things that your father gave to Craig. Right. And those were the things that stayed with him. Oh, yes. You know? Yeah. And those were the things that made a difference in his life.
0: It was so emotional meeting Craig, I remember, as a teenager, because I was thinking, look at him now. He's this huge firefighter, you know? (laughs) I mean... And to hear his story about how he met my dad when he was just a little boy, and I think he started shining shoes. My dad was an accountant, and my dad would find things for him to do. Wow. You know? And there should be more of those stories. You know, I I love things like that. And because those those relationships become lifelong relationships with those people.
1: They absolutely can. And, you know, but here's the good news, too, is you don't have to do what your dad did. Right. People can reach out and help people. There are so many children. One in five children in America are Mm -hmm. hunger-deprived. And that's not around the world. That's right in our own country. And, you know, there's the organization Share Our Strength, No Kid Hungry, and they're really trying to put an end to childhood hunger. You know, there's another organization called the Pajama Program that provides pajamas and books for children that are either in foster care or living in shelters. There are so many things people can do to make a difference. They don't have to, you know, create a lifelong friendship to make a difference.
0: Right.
1: Um, And that is another thing that I hope people will take away from my children's book, An Invisible Thread Christmas Story, but also An Invisible Thread, that no act of kindness is too big
0: right,
1: or is too small, I think I'm...
0: I, I want to mention that um, years ago, my older daughter started visiting uh, this woman in a retirement home, and we still visit her. And we went to visit her on Christmas Day, and we played Scrabble, and she beat all of us. By the way, <laughs> she's ninety-six. She's a wonderful 96, woman. God 96. ninety-six, ninety-six. We've just become family with her, and it's it's so special. So it doesn't matter. It can be anybody, any age. You know, right?
1: And she probably has lived longer because she looks forward to those
0: visits. And she has grandkids, and she says, you're my family. (laughs) Isn't that
1: nice? Isn't that nice? It's
0: really nice. It's really nice.
1: You know, I talk to children, too, you know, about how not only during the holiday season, but throughout the year, you know, if every child were to give away just one toy that they got for either Christmas or for their birthday, they would be giving a toy to someone who perhaps doesn't receive toys. Yes. And they're giving a gift, but what they're gaining in return is that feeling of goodness. And there's a woman by the name of Dale Atkins, and she talks about how kindness is contagious, and the more you give, the better you feel. And so while you're giving, you're getting back so much in return.
0: And, by the way, I, I want to add, Laura, I love the quote on your website, invisiblethread.com. When you expect nothing in return, you can receive, can receive the most beautiful and valuable gifts of all.
1: Isn't that the truth? You yes. know, when I first met Maurice, my friends and my family were really concerned. People used to say to me all the time, you know, Maurice was so lucky to have met you. Uh. And I would always say, are you kidding? I was so lucky to have met Maurice. Yes. That... He gave me a perspective on life that I never would have been able to have had I not met him. He gave me a family that I never would have had. Mm -hmm. So what I gained from it was far greater than what I ever gave to Maurice. But it looks like, you know, that he was the lucky one. And in fact, really, I was the lucky one.
0: Sure. Well, that's why I asked what was going on in your life at that time, and... I mean, you were probably very driven, focused on work. You were not married at the time, no kids. hmm And then this wonderful boy comes in your life.
1: Yeah. And he changed my life. hmm And look at my, you know, Maurice today is a partner in, you know, both books, you know, so, so we great. still have an incredible, you know, friendship. That's wonderful. Um, he's very much a part of my life, and I'm very much a part of his life, and he has, you know, a beautiful wife and beautiful children.
0: He has quite a few children, doesn't he? Isn't yeah, he has, he has actually seven. So oh, he's a pretty big
1: family. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So you know, he's he works in construction. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I'm most proud about Maurice that he did break a cycle. Yes. You know, um, his children will never know from hunger and violence. Right. You know, he does not do drugs. He's never done drugs, and. um
0: that's wonderful. I mean, it's, you, you're right. I mean, you both gained so much from meeting one another.
1: We really did, and we're both, we both feel enormously blessed. We were um, on Fox and Friends last week, and in fact, the video, um, it's actually on my website now, the link. Okay. And every time I look at these TV shows that we do together, it's just like it's who could have ever imagined, you know, right. almost 30 years ago that our lives would have been changed by that brief encounter
0: mm-hmm. you know i told you i grew up in new york and it's such a massive city with such a blend of so many different cultures and people and and you never know who you're going to meet
1: yeah and you know unfortunately today in new york city you know there's a lot of people that are really hurting um, you know right. there are a lot of people that are doing really really well but there's so many people that are really hurting and I read my book last week, I guess, not last week, but the week before, at the Pajama Program. And there must have been about 15 little kids. And I looked at these children, one was more beautiful than the next. And you think about their lives, that are that they're so hard. It's like no child wakes up and says, you know what, I want to have a really hard life. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> unfortunately, they they're dealt these cards that they have to deal with every day. And, you know, some of them end up really doing okay, and then others don't. Um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's difficult. Sure. And there's a lot of people in America today that are hurting, which is really unfortunate.
0: Right. So I think the message is if you can do something, even if it's a little part of yourself, it's better than nothing.
1: You know, I, when An Invisible Thread came out, a man emailed me, and he told me he loved the book and how He just couldn't get it out of his mind. And then a couple weeks later, he was in a supermarket, and a young woman with three small children was right ahead of him. Her groceries had been bagged. She gave um, her credit card, and the credit card was declined. And he said she looked – the look on her face had such a look of hopelessness. And he stood there. He thought, and you know what? I can make a difference right now, and I can pay for her groceries. And he did, and the woman – couldn't believe it. But ah. I'm sure today when he thinks about that, it still makes him feel good. And, right. you know, he paid for her groceries, but he could afford to do that. So why, why not reach out if, yes. you're, if you're faced with a situation where you're able to do it? I agree. I and agree. that's what I hope both books, the takeaway will be.
0: Well, we have to wrap up. Unfortunately, I do want to mention congratulations. Your book has been translated into so many other languages.
1: I know. Wow. In fact, it's um actually an international bestseller in Germany. Amazing. I know. You know what? I am a, I, I continue to be amazed every day. Um I think it's great. My sister Annette, see what she says all the time is, "I think I need to read your book again."
0: Okay. <laughs> Tell her there's going to be a test. You're going to give her a test. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so throw, well, did, out your, throw out your website one more time. And, and uh, sure. also, you're going to be here in Orange County in um, yes, I Mar- am. March, I think.
1: Yes, it is in March. Um, in fact, I, I don't know the exact date.
0: I'll look it up.
1: Go I'm going to be, is it in March? Hold on.
0: Yeah. I'm
1: yes, on up. the 14th.
0: March 14th.
1: Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my, my website is aninvisiblethread.com great. Janine, yeah. thank you oh, so, so much for giving me the opportunity
0: s- You're so welcome. to be on
1: your show. I really appreciate it.
0: And I look forward to meeting you in March.
1: I'll look forward to meeting you, too. All right. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's, we'll stay in touch. All right, Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
0: That was Laura Schroff, who's the author of the number one New York Times best-selling book, Invisible Thread, Christmas Story. If you missed any part of the show, it will be up on my blog about an hour after I wrap, and the blog is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be joined by a very successful PR firm owner, Deborah Gillis. She's going to join us at 930